the ability to freely choose is both a great gift and a great curse all at the same time. I, it really is. A choice defines our lives. Ultimately, it's not the circumstances we're put in or the experiences we've had. It's choice that defines our life. And the truth is that our choices can define our lives for good. And there's the great gift part. But it can also define our lives for bad. And that's the great curse part. And so choice cuts both ways. And unfortunately, in my life, I have always leaned towards the curse side of the gift more than the great part of the gift. It's just been a weird thing. I choose wrongly. And though you choose differently, you do as well. We've used this gift not as God intended it, as a gift, but we've used it as a curse. Looking back on my life, I can see it in two ways. There are choices that I did make in my past that if I had not made those choices, I'd have a very different life today. I would have had very different outcomes in my life. Choices that I made that I now regret. I wish I hadn't made them because I believe they kept me from much of my potential that God wrapped up in me. But there's another side of it as well. As I trace my history, I believe there are tons of choices that were opportunities, but I chose not to make them. There were choices that I could have made that would have more positively defined my life, more positively advanced who God created me to be or my relationships, but for whatever reason, I didn't make those choices. I let them go unseized. I didn't seize the day. And the same is true in your life. If you would just trace back your history, you will see both of those things at play. You made some choices that if you hadn't made them, life would be very different. You didn't make some choices that if you had made them, your life would be very different. Now, when I trace back my life, I have it in my mind which one was more profound for me, what I did do that I wish I hadn't or what I didn't do that I wish I had. And I imagine the same is true for you. In fact, this is such a powerful deal that we have the power to choose, the ability to choose, but ultimately what we do choose or don't choose defines our life, that I wanted to give you a couple of seconds. It shouldn't take you long because these are life-defining things. I'm not talking about the small, everyday stuff. I'm talking about life-defining things we did or didn't do. I just want you to identify in your past a couple. Think about it. What did you do that if you hadn't would have positively changed your life? What didn't you do that if you had would have positively changed your life. Do you, do you have them identified? Most of us can go right back there. I mean, to the moment. It's defining. It's, it's dramatic. Well, I, I'd like us to share that. And so, for the next three days, one by one, we're going to get up at all three of our sites and include those of you on church. At, no, we're not. Uh, I, I just want to get a sense of which part of choice weighs most heavily on you. I, I'm going to... I, I'm going to ask you to identify yourself if you're either in one camp or the other. If I could give you the power to change one choice in your past, I'm curious if you would change something you had done and not do it, or if you would change a decision you hadn't made and you would now make that decision. So let me phrase it this way. 
if you, and I want you to play here at Plymouth, I want you to play Ann Arbor, Celine, Brighton Howell, play Church Online, I don't know, we might see you. So here's the thing, if, if you could go back and change one choice you made or didn't make, would you change a choice you did make? Raise your hand. Okay, that's a lot of you. Okay, or would you change a choice that you didn't make that now you would? Raise your hand. Okay, that's a lot of people too. And then there were a lot of you who didn't make the choice to play. Because you have no regrets. You are the perfect among us. And it's just great to have you here with us. Just to be in your presence is wonderful. Thank you very, very much. Okay, so we all have regrets. And those regrets, the large ones, are either based upon something we did that we wished we hadn't or something we didn't that we wish we had. And we all have them. The power of choice, a great gift, but a great curse. Now, here's the bad news. You don't get to do either. There's no retracing your steps to change the choice. You just can't do that. I I can't grant you the power. I wish I could, but I can't. I can't even grant it for myself. But I really do appreciate you engaging it because what it does is it gets us involved in this concept that we have this power in our grasp to make a choice. And all of our regrets in life are based upon that power, what we did with it or what we didn't do with it. This is a big deal. But what you need to know is that God gave us this gift, the freedom to choose. As with this entire series, and if you're new to it, break the mold. You can catch up on all the talks online. We give them away. But as in this entire series, the only way we can see what we were created to be like, what mold we were supposed to be in, is to go back to the beginning. And then we can trace our steps as to where we are today and then what we can do about it now that we're there. So all the way back in Genesis chapter 1, verses 20, verse 27, God tells us that we were created in his image. He says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, in the talks previous to this one, I've already talked about the fact that to be created in his image means that we were given his mind, the capacity to think, to understand him and his truth. We were also given his heart and the capacity to love and to experience his love and to express his love with others, created in his image. But there's another part of us that was given. Look at chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. The Lord God took the man with his mind reflecting the image of God and with his heart reflecting the image of God. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. Now, with the mind he gave us and with the heart he gave us, he also gave us something else, the ability to choose, the power of choice. And look what he says. It's very interesting because he says, you are free, God said, free to eat of any tree in the garden. I've made this entire paradise for you filled with trees and you are absolutely free to make any choice at any time from any tree in this garden that you want. But there's one limitation. There's this tree in the center, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And you can't eat of that. So you have freedom to do 
everything that I've created for you in paradise, freedom to experience the unlimited reality of my capacities, my truth, and my heart in your life, but you have one limit. You, you can't eat the fruit from that one tree because when you do, you're choosing contrary to my way, contrary to my will. You're choosing you instead of me, and the minute you do that, you lose all your freedom. You die. Now, I, I want you to see what it's saying. I mean, there are several bullets of truth that I want to share with you in this. The first thing you need to see out of that passage is that we were created in the image of God for something. We were created in the image of God for life and for freedom. But that life and that freedom which we were created for was to be under God. In fact, the only way we could know life was to be under life, God. The only way we could experience freedom would be to be under the one who is in control of all things, who is able to do all things, who can provide in all things, who knows all things, and so that he could provide for us the umbrella of freedom. But to experience that freedom and that life, we needed to be under him. And that's what he's saying. So you can't walk outside of me. You can't walk a separate path from me. You can't divide yourself from me because the minute you do that, you die. So you have absolute freedom with one limitation. It's under me. Don't eat that tree of knowledge. Don't eat the fruit from that tree. And I, I want to parse it out a little bit so you can see it. With a mind we were created to freely know God and his truth. We were created in his image. And in this passage it says, you know me. You know what I've said. You've heard what I've said. We were given a mind to freely know God and his truth. What God wanted. What God was saying. With a heart we were created so that we could freely love God and his truth. We were created in the image of God for life and freedom under God with a mind to freely know God and his truth, with a heart to freely love God and his truth, and then with a will to freely choose to obey God and his truth. This is how we were created in his image. And he put us in the garden to truly live out the life so that we could use that mind to freely know him and his truth. We could use our heart to freely love him and his truth, and we could use our will to freely obey him and his truth. And that's why he said what he said. You can have everything. You are free, but there's this one limit because it's all under me. Obey me. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was a symbol, a symbol for our freedom. It represented literally our will, the power the freedom we have to choose because that's what that tree was. It was a choice. It was an unnecessary choice. It was a choice we shouldn't make. It was a choice that would be destructive. But it was the power to choose. That's what it was, the symbol. And he said, you can have anything you want, everything you need, everything you long for, everything I've wired you up to love and to find pleasure in, you can have it in the paradise. But you need to know the one thing that will destroy you will be trying to do this on your own without me. That's what that tree represents. And yet he gave us the power of that choice. To choose to avoid the tree was to choose God's will, which gave them freedom then to experience everything God could author. And remember, God can do the impossible control everything, do everything. And so as long as they chose, used their will to avoid the tree, they had freedom to experience everything that God had the capacity to do. Everything. But the minute they chose to use their will to eat from the tree, 
They literally lost all the freedom that God could provide. And the only freedom they had was the freedom that they could provide. And think about this. They could provide no freedom. They had no power to create anything. They had no power to control anything. They had no power to provide for themselves anything. They had no power to keep themselves secure. They, they were unable to do it. And this is why it led to death. Here's what I want you to do. I, I, I want you to think of this metaphor. It's really helped me as I've authored it to understand free will, but how free will always has limitations. Freedom always has limitations. It does. Too many of us want freedom with no limitations, freedom with no obligations, freedom with no responsibilities. There's no such thing as that in country, in marriage, in life. When God created us, he created us for freedom, but all freedom has some limitations. So think of it, if you would, this way. Think of the life that God created and the life that God promised us. The Garden of Eden, the place of paradise. Think of it as being the roof of the Sears Tower in Chicago. Are you there? Curiosity, how many of you have been on the Sears Tower all the way to the top? Sure, a bunch of you have. Those of you who haven't, imagine some other place, all right? So imagine paradise as being on the top of Sears Tower, that tall building in Chicago. And then uh, imagine that it's there where we can experience everything that God promised. You know, you are free to experience every tree. You're free to experience all this different stuff. I mean, you're free. It's there on top of the Sears Tower. And everything we could ever want, everything we could ever need, everything that would ever give us pleasure, it's right there in paradise. Freedom to experience life as God designed it. But if we have that kind of freedom, we also have the freedom to jump off right? We have the freedom to jump off the Sears Tower. I mean, paradise is there. Why would we want to? Dumb. Paradise is everything we need. We never need to see anything beyond it. That's where it is. But we have the freedom to jump off. But know this. When you make the choice to jump, two things are true. When you make the choice to jump, you can't change your mind. You can't jump back up. I mean, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump. Oh, you're not jumping back up. Done. There's a second problem with the choice. When you make the choice, you can't change the reality of what will happen when the journey ends. You can't change that. So, I mean, you're, you're, you have everything you need on top, but you have freedom so you can jump but once you jump, you can't jump back up. And once you jump, you can't avoid the consequence of the fall. So here's what you need to see. When God told them not to eat from the tree, he was simply saying, don't jump. I want you to understand this reality. Everything you need, you have absolute freedom to experience all I've ever created for you here. Every longing, every pleasure you can have on top of this building don't jump. You have the freedom to jump. You can make the choice to jump. I've given you the power of choice, but when you jump, you can't change it and you will splat. That's what God was saying. You see, he wasn't trying to limit their freedom by telling them not to touch the tree. He was trying to ensure they kept their freedom. 
He wasn't trying to keep them from life. He was trying to keep them alive. He wasn't trying to destroy them. He was trying to make them. It was a beautiful thing, which leads us to the next reality. Our lives and freedom, when we were created, were dependent upon submitting our will to God's will. Uh, Our lives and freedom... As he created us, we're absolutely dependent upon us submitting our will, our choices to God's. Because if we were going to choose our own, it was jumping off the Sears Tower. It was going to come with consequences that God had warned us about. You see, though, the tree was a gift. It was not a curse. It was a gift. This isn't how Satan presented it. Satan literally presented God's truth upside down with a lot of deception thrown in. Because here's what the evil one did. The evil one tried to make it look like obeying God actually robbed them of freedom when the truth is obeying God is what ensured their freedom. But he was turning it on their head. And so he he was lying to them. You see, without God, they could not ultimately do anything. They had no power. They had no control. They had no security. They had no purpose. They had no meaning. They had no life. They, They, without God... Choosing to take from that tree, we're jumping off the Sears Tower. But Satan made it look like, man, if you'll take from the fruit of that tree, it will open a door to freedom that you've never imagined. You'll be your own gods knowing good and evil. He was saying, God has put you in a prison with his limitations, and I can give you the key, it's that fruit, to walk into freedom. But the truth was, God had put them in a world of freedom. And the key that Satan was introducing them to was really the key to put them into a prison. It's sad how he turns it on his head. Talk about being bound. Satan deceived them, and they became bound because they trusted him instead of God. They believed his lies instead of God's truth. They used their mind that was supposed to reflect God. They used their heart that was supposed to love God in the wrong way, and thus they made the wrong choices. We need to trust God, whether we understand or not, because he is always right. He is always seeking to provide freedom and life. But if we don't trust him, we will lose everything he created us for. There's another thing that opens up that you need to understand about this. Our freedom is dependent upon submitting to God's choices, God's will. But so many people, because of Satan's deception, believe that freedom is not freedom if it's got limitations. But that's just not true. All freedom has limitations. It's just going to depend on what limitations you want. And Satan always tries to deceive. True freedom is not life without restraints, without obligations, or without limits. That's Satan's definition. True freedom is the ability to fulfill one's purpose, right? Let me give you the best example of this. Um, and I'm going to ask you to think, and I know it, this is going to be tough, but I think you can get there, all right? Um, what's the purpose of a fish? Now, I told you I was going deep. Well, seriously, and I want you to talk back. What's the purpose of a fish? Okay, really. Okay. Ann Arbor, Celine, Brighton, Howell. Um, I'm coming over there because we haven't gotten it here. But, What's the purpose of a fish? Oh, wow. Brighton Howell, Ann Arbor Selene, they just said the purpose of fish is food. <laughs> they have a high value of fish. Um, and it's, there's some truth to that. But 
my view of the purpose of fish is they were made to, yeah, fish were made to swim, right? They were made to swim. And as long as they're in water, they're free to swim, except for you people who hook them, take them out, and murder them. Uh, (laughs) I like salmon, trust me. Okay, here's the thing. They were made to swim. And as long as they're in water, they're free to swim, right? Free to fulfill their purpose. What happens when you take them out of water? They die. They can't swim. They're not going to fulfill their purpose. In fact, they're going to look really stupid, blah, 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 flopping around. Have you ever seen it? And yet, think about it. Every fish in an aquarium wants out. And fly, some of them make it... And then they don't want out anymore. But they can't change their choice once they're out, and they can't change the outcome of it. They're going to die. I I just need you to see this. The only way you can ever experience freedom in life is if you're free to fulfill your purpose. And the minute we use our mind and our heart and then our power to choose to go contrary to God, we can no longer be free in any capacity because we're no longer free to fulfill our purpose. What's our purpose? To know God, to love God, to obey and serve God. And in so doing, we live in paradise on top of the Sears Tower. But the minute we choose contrary, no matter how good it looks, I'm telling you, I can imagine a, a fish going, it looks so nice out there. It looks so nice out there. I wish I could be out there. But the minute they get out there, they die. That's what we are without God. We need purpose to fulfill our freedom. Now, it goes to the next deal. Our lives and our freedom, literally, were lost the minute we chose our will over God's. Our lives and our freedom were absolutely lost when we chose our will over God's because we were the fish jumping out of the water We were the person jumping off the Sears Tower. We were choosing our way instead of God's way. We could no longer fulfill our purpose. We could no longer be free. Look at Genesis 3.6. This is the Bible. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She says it looks good outside the aquarium. It looks good off the side of the Sears Tower. She ate it. And then she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Now this is really... So fascinating to me. Because it's something we all experience. We have been given the power to choose. But what leads to our choices? This passage shows us. The the very first thing that happens is that the evil one comes. And like he did with Eve. Tempts us and says, wouldn't you like to be somewhere else? Wouldn't you like to do something? Wouldn't you like the fruit of the tree? Wouldn't you like to live off of the Sears Tower? And temptation for Eve, as with us, began in the mind. Temptation began in the mind, which was given to us to reflect God's image. But Satan raised questions in Eve's mind about God's truth. He says, did God really say that you couldn't, like, eat from that tree and all that different stuff? And he started confusing the truth. Then he goes, he goes, Did he say you die? Really? That doesn't sound reasonable, does it? Then he goes, you're not really going to die. What's he doing? He's messing with her mind. And he's he's going, you're not going to die. What God said isn't true. And so temptation began for her in the mind. That's where it begins for us. We start thinking, 
I don't like being in this aquarium. It doesn't feel like I'm free. There are limitations. I want to be outside. I don't like being on the seriously. I don't like not being able to have that tree. Our minds are thinking. Secondly, then, the temptation then moved to her heart. It moved to her heart, the place that was meant to love God and then express God's love to others. Satan started raising questions in Eve's heart about God's love. I mean, if you read Genesis 3, he's saying, he's holding out on you. He's holding out on you. You see, God knows that when you eat of the fruit of that tree, you'll become your own God. You won't need him anymore. You won't want him anymore. He'll be diminished in your life. And he's trying to hold you back. The temptation moved to her heart. She started questioning, God doesn't love me. God doesn't want me to have freedom. God wants me to be in bondage. God doesn't want me to experience pleasure. God's withholding true pleasure from me. Started in the mind, moved to her heart. And then... The temptation became sin by an act of the will. Now, this is so important because we're talking about the power of choice, the power of our, that God has given us to literally choose to do what we want to do. So the temptation began in her mind, the temptation moved to her out, and the temptation became sin by the act of the will. Because in that passage we read, it said, when she saw it, when she wanted it, she then took it right that was the act of the will and this always happens this is just an aside but this always happens when she took it what did she immediately do with it she gave it to someone else oh come on in the water's fine i mean we jump off the sears tower and while we're falling we're going it's really fun we always share it when we jump out of the aquarium, even though we're flopping around dying, we're going, uh, 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 come on up. She took it and she gave it. But sin happened by an act of the will. This is so important to realize. The sin was not in the looking at the tree. The sin was not in the evaluating of the fruit of the tree. The sin was not in considering the fruit of the tree. And the, consin- the sin wasn't even in desiring the fruit of that tree. The sin was in choosing to take it and to eat it. Because that's when she decided what she thought was better than what God said and what she felt was better than what God feels and loves. And it destroyed her. And it's destroyed us. Look at James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. It describes it for us. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. God didn't do this to her. God said, don't jump. Don't you need water? Stay in the aquarium. You want freedom and life? That's what I want from you. I'm not putting restrictions on you. I'm just trying to ensure that you have life. Don't jump. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God can't be tempted by evil. Nor does he ever tempt anyone for evil. No, he wants life and freedom for all. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. You know what happens? It begins in our mind. It moves to our heart. And then it's conceived when we act upon it with our will. Talk about messing ourselves up. The fall of man was the result of an act of the human will in contrast to God's will. The human will saying, 
What I want is more important than God wants. What I want will lead to better things than what God wants. And it was the result of the act of the will, using our ability to choose in order to reject the one who gave us the ability to choose. That's what the fall of man came. We followed our own truth. We followed our own loves. And we made our own choices. And we've lost everything in the process. So let me declare our problem. Our problem is this. In seeking life and freedom apart from God, we've lost both. In seeking life and freedom apart from God, we've lost both freedom and life. And here's what's interesting. The, the, the deception of the evil one is so good that we actually give up what we already have, life and freedom, in order to get life and freedom. We literally give it up thinking we're going to get it and we lose it in the process. Why? Because God knows what lies off Sears Tower. Because God knows that we need water to swim if we're a fish. And that's the only way we can experience the fulfillment of our purpose. In seeking life and freedom apart from God, we've lost both. Look at John eight thirty four. Jesus said it. I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins, everyone who acts contrary to God's will is a slave to sin. Enslaved to it. Enslaved to it. A, a bird. What's the purpose of a bird? If you say to eat it, <laughs> I'll really have problems with you, cruel people. The purpose of a bird is to... Wow. You just warmed my heart. Thank you. The purpose of a bird is to fly. And so when you put a bird in the cage... You rob it of its purpose. You rob it of its freedom. And you know what happened to us? The minute we used our will to act contrary to God, we walked out of the freedom of what God created us to enjoy and into the cage of our own bondage. It's exactly what happened. Look at Galatians 5.17. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. In other words, what we now want is absolutely opposite of what God wants for us and designed for us. And what God wants and has designed for us is actually opposite of what we want by nature. And this is why we don't do what you want. This is so important for me and you. Why do we keep doing, acting with our will, making choices for that which we don't want? Why do we keep doing that which down the road we'll regret? And why do we keep refusing to do that which down the road we'll regret not having done? Why do we do that? Because our nature has been so distorted. It's become bound. You see, apart from God, we aren't free. We have huge limitations on us. Apart from God, we can't think properly. We can't think like we were created to think. Uh, literally, sin has blinded our minds so that we can't properly know and understand God. Because of this sin, we, we can't love as we were created to love. It literally hardened our hearts so we can't properly love Him or love others in an unconditional way. Because of sin, because our will has been so messed up, we now can't choose as we were created to choose. We were created to choose God's ways, God's life, God's promises, God's truth. But now... We've been corrupted. And so our will by nature chooses contrary to God, thinking it's going to lead us to what God can provide for us. 
And because of this messed up will, our lives can no longer be as they were created to be, free, full of life. Instead, they're contrary to that. We're in a cage. We're outside the water. We're falling off the Sears Tower. Here's the reality. We, were never, we will never be truly free to think like God, to love like God, and to do like God until we are free once again to obey and please God. Let's go back to the garden. The tree was the symbol of our power to choose. The power to choose that which would give us life and which would give us love. The power to choose to use our will to obey God. It was lost in the garden. This is why as much as I want what God has for me, I can't choose it on my own. I'm in bondage away from it. Apart from him, I can't have freedom until I can once again obey him and please him, which leads to God's solution. Think about this. Jesus came to give us back our lives and freedom. Jesus came to give us back our lives and freedom. Now, I get what happens in settings like this. I I get it. It's like we hear the words we're supposed to expect. Okay, he said Jesus, check. Said, forget, check. And it just goes, you know, and we're not. But we don't process it down. Look it. Jesus came to give us back our lives and freedom. What does that mean? Jesus came to give us what is impossible to get. Because you see, once you jump off the Sears Tower, you can't jump back up again. But Jesus has made it possible for us, though we've jumped, to jump back up again. It's impossible once you jump not to, forgive me, splat. It's impossible. But Jesus made it possible for us to be wholly alive again, in his paradise again, experiencing his goodness again. It's a miracle of redemption. He has been able to turn around that which can't be turned around. He was able to do it for us. Look at Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. Because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive, but we're dead, but he made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, he put us back on paradise, even though we had jumped off of it. And how did he do it? By grace. His grace is so big. The reason Jesus came was because he was going to live his whole life in mind, in heart, and in will in paradise. He wasn't going to jump. He wasn't going to act contrary to God. He wasn't going to lose his life so that he could then experience the results of jumping off of Sears Tower when he died on the cross so that we could then take his place back in paradise, which is what the resurrection gave us. God's grace has made it possible, though every single one of us has blown it, to experience life as if we haven't, to change a reality that we can't change. This is why religion is so messed up. It says that if you just do a couple of religious kind of things, everything's okay. No, it's not. You're still going to splat. It doesn't matter if you're using incense or quoting scripture or singing beautiful songs or wearing the right clothes or, you know, at a worship service. You're still going to splat. But Jesus made it possible for you to be put back in paradise as if you'd never messed up. This is beautiful. Look at Galatians 5.1. He says it straight out. It is for freedom 
that Christ has set us free. Why did he come to set us free? Why? Because that's what he created us to be, alive and free. And we weren't because we'd blown it. But he came back to give us freedom, to set us free. And so he says, so stand firm then and don't let yourselves be burdened again by the bondage of slavery. You don't have to stay in the cage. You can come out. You don't have to keep falling and destroy your life. You can be in paradise again because Jesus set you free. And I'm going to tell you, this is the whole deal. It's the whole deal. And it's so important that we thought it's important for you to think about. And so we're going to use the art of music to try and move this truth into your heart. He came so that we who are in bondage could be set free. It describes perfectly the reality of our lives. We're in life with baggage on our back just dragging us down. Bound up. Caged. Can't do anything to get out of it. We're we're falling Story after story after story, we're flopping around without the water to swim in. And then he does the unthinkable. He says, I love you as you are, and that's why I've come to set you free. He, he didn't come to put us in the bondage of some religious traditions and religious rituals. He didn't come to steal away the pleasures of life as they were meant to be experienced. He came to give them back life and freedom. But if we're going to experience that freedom, if we're really going to, then we need to come to Jesus by trusting him. He came to set us free. But we have to come to him and trust him to do it. Look at Matthew 11, 28 through 30, some of the most comforting words of the Bible. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened. And why are we weary and burdened? Because we're bound up carrying all the baggage that's dragging us down. Not free like we were meant to be. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened down, and I'll give you what you're looking for. Rest, freedom, life. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. There he says it. Freedom comes with limitations but he says with me the limitations are easy they're light I'm trying to protect your freedom and protect your life without me it's weary and it's burdened we have to come to him and trust him have you this is your moment you can do it so just before I wrap down the last application would you bow with me in a word of prayer in this your moment and if you're at Northridge Brighton Hall, Northridge Ann Arbor Lane, the same, just take this moment, your church online, the same. If you've never received him, taking the baggage away, setting you free, pray with me. Accept him. Just say, God, I- I'm, I'm living upside down. I- I'm, I'm living small when you made me to live big. I'm in bondage when you made me to live free. And it's because I've chosen to do life my way. I've sinned against you. But right now, I'm coming. Jesus, you came to set me free. And right now, I'm coming to trust you to do it. Take my sin 
and forgive me and make me new. I trust your death, your burial, your resurrection in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It says, it's by his grace that you've been saved, set free through faith. It's not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not by works so that no one can boast. If you just put your trust in him, what happened is you just got set free. It's huge. We'd love to share with you some ways that you can build your relationship with God. We've actually put together a letter we'd love to put in your hands. But to get it to you, we need to know you prayed with me. And so in all of our live settings in Northridge Brighton Howell, Northridge Ann Arbor Saline, and here in Northridge Plymouth, we give out these programs. And on the inside of the program is a little connection card. And we do this for you, not for us. It's just a form that you can fill out. And on the bottom it says, today I prayed to receive Jesus. Check that circle. And then at every exit in all of our sites, our boxes, throw it in there. And we'll send you information about how you can take next steps with God. And if you're watching church online, just hit the what next button. We'll do the same for you. But once you've trusted him to set you free, now it's time to start living free. And what I found in my own life and many other people's life, he set us free. He opened the cage, but we stay in it. He, he, we're not swimming like we ought to swim. We're not enjoying paradise like we ought to enjoy it. And so if we're going to do that, we need to follow Jesus. Now that we've been given freedom, we need to follow Jesus by submitting our will, our choices, to God's will to God's choices. This is exactly what Jesus did in John 6, 38. For I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Now there's life. God didn't give you a will to do whatever you wanted. God gave you a will so that you could use his truth and his love to do his will. And in so doing, you would find everything you're longing for. It doesn't rob you of freedom. It gives you freedom. He's not trying to rip you off. He's trying to make your life. Look at Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Once we follow Jesus, it's time to submit our will to him. And you know what he made us for? Good works. Good works. A life of serving others instead of serving ourselves. And you know one of the things God's called us to? He's called those of us who know the freedom of Jesus to share the story of that freedom with others. And I don't know if you know this or not. I mean, might have missed you. you might have missed it. Easter's coming. Did you know that? In two weeks' time, Easter's coming. The celebration of new life, the celebration of the resurrection. Talk about breaking the mold. It's the deal. But no one that needs it will hear about it unless we invite them to share it with us. And so we've put in all of your programs at all of our live sites. We've put in these things that say, wake the world up to Jesus. This is a moment in our culture that we can use to help wake people up to the fact that Jesus can set us free. And on the back of this, it tells you what you can do. Uh, Step one, you can think, who are my thems. Who are the people in my world that I could invite to hear about the hope of Jesus' resurrection? Step two, write them down. Do you see how deep we are here? I mean, we are deep. You think about your thems, you write M down. M. You notice that. And then step three, we invite them. We invite them. And you can write some of your names, you can give ideas and all this different stuff. And then inside, we've given you five invitation cards. Stop by, no one's burst into flames, you know, that deal. And then an invitation to all the services that are coming up. And you can 
make a difference forever in someone's life by doing what this says. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We need to follow Jesus by submitting our will to God's. You know what God's will is for you? To share his light, his name, his hope with everybody in your sphere of the world, with your thems. Let's do it. Let's start giving out these cards and inviting people in. And as a fun thing to encourage you, to inspire you, to keep us all kind of focused on this, we want to send you texts along the way to encourage you and inspire you. So to do that, you can text EASTER to 411247. EASTER to 411247. And then we will be sending you texts of inspiration and encouragement along the way. It's a neat way for us to be connected. Now... I've been a pastor a long time, so I know people, so I need to tell you, you don't text, text Easter. You text Easter. You got that? And you don't text it to 2411247. You text it to 411247. Are you all with me? Am I being too simple for you? Yeah, I bet. All right, so we'd love for you to participate in this. Let's be inviting people in. Let's make the right choice because Jesus gave us the freedom to do it. Break the mold. Start telling people about Jesus. Invite them in. We'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody.